and honor give to his holy name. Like a shepherd, Jesus will guard his children. In his arms he carries them all day long. Praise him, praise him, tell of his excellent greatness. Praise him, praise him, ever in joyful song <clears throat> too. Praise him, praise him, Jesus our blessed Redeemer. For our sins he suffered and bled and died. He our rock, our hope of eternal salvation. Hail him, hail him, Jesus the crucified. Sound his praises, Jesus who bore our sorrows. Love unbounded, wonderful, deep and strong. Praise him. Praise Him, tell of His excellent greatness. Praise Him, praise Him, ever in joyful song. Praise Him, praise Him, Jesus our blessed Redeemer. Heavenly portals loud with hosannas ring. Jesus, Savior, reigneth forever and ever. Crown him, crown him, prophet and priest and king. Christ is coming over the world victorious. Power and glory unto the Lord belong. Praise him, praise him. Tell of his excellent greatness. Praise him, praise him, ever in joyful song. All right, good. Now turn to page 194, the familiar song, When We All Get to Heaven. When we all get to heaven, we'll praise him, won't we? Amen. Be any doubt about that. We're going to sing all four verses of this one. Sing the wondrous love of Jesus, sing His mercy and His grace. In the mansions bright and blessed, He'll prepare for us a place when we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be When we all see Jesus We'll sing and shout the victory While we walk the pilgrim pathway Clouds will overspread the sky but when traveling days are over, not a shadow, not a sign. When we all 
get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus. We'll sing and shout the victory. Let us then be true and faithful, trusting, serving every day. Just one glimpse of Him in glory will the toils of life repay when we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus. We'll sing and shout the victory. Onward, the prize before us, soon His beauty will behold. Soon the pearly gates will open, we shall tread the streets of gold. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. All right, thank you very much. Brother Pastor, are you ready? Turn around fellowship one with another. All right, turn around fellowship All God's people said, amen. amen. Good to be in the Lord's house tonight, is it not? Yes. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Right smack dab in the middle of winter time, January, but God's still good, isn't He? Amen. amen. I don't know about anybody else, but I've had a, a good week so far. Busy, but uh, productive, so praise the Lord for that. Uh, if we're alive, if we're breathing, 
Uh, if we're not in the hospital, nursing home, jailhouse, God forbid the funeral parlor, God's been good. Amen. Amen. So thank you for being here tonight. Well, I tell you, I was uh, cutting it tight this evening. Uh, maybe, maybe the latest I've ever left. I didn't, I didn't leave the church till after 6.30. I said, there ain't no way I'm going to get these kids back in time. But uh, it all just worked out perfectly, and I had them back, uh, dropped them off about five after, and didn't speed too much. Uh, amen. Praise the Lord. But, but uh, we had another good crowd, and boy, they was just waiting, couldn't wait to come to church. And uh, the first stop that we went to, one of the little boys, he said, uh, he said, I love coming to church because I love Jesus. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. Praise the Lord. So, um, uh, and, you know, I don't know, we'll just have to pray about it, but uh I mean, they're begging us to get them on Sunday, so let's just make that a matter of prayer. There's more that get, there's more that's involved in that than just running the van and picking them up. So, uh, but we've done it before. God's worked it out, and if that's His will, He'll make a way, right? Amen. God's got a plan. Before there's ever a problem, God's already got a plan. Amen, and a solution for the problem. All right. Uh, just by way of announcements tonight, uh, we don't have a lot of announcements. Um, other than the prayer gathering that'll be this uh, upcoming Saturday at 11 o'clock a.m. as we gather there at the courthouse. I've not looked at the weather to see what it's supposed to be like, but um, amen, if it's going to be cold, uh, they do provide us with an indoor area that we can spend a few minutes in. And, and if you're able, come out and let's pray. Friend, I'm telling you, uh, the need's more urgent right now than it ever has been before for God's people to pray. Uh, amen. I'm telling you, if now or never, uh, and we need to be praying as if, uh, as if any day could be our last opportunity before Jesus comes. So uh, again, we'll have that prayer gathering, and I think Holly did mention, um, Amen, that we will um, have our monthly fellowship time after church on Sunday night, the last Sunday of this month. So. Um, uh, I believe that's not this Sunday, but the following Sunday. Uh, amen. Sunday night after church, everybody, we're going to have s uh, soup, sun uh, soup fellowship. So bring your soups. Uh, and uh, amen. If you want to bring a steak for me, that'd be all right. I can handle that. Uh, but somebody said something about grilled cheese sandwiches, and that'd be okay too. So when you're on a diet, you'll eat anything. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Praise the Lord. So remember that. And then we also decided this past um, um, Sunday night, appreciate the choir and them uh, faithfully attending choir practice, that we're going to have uh, choir practice every first Sunday night of the month. So uh, do that at 4.30. And uh, if you'd like to be a part of that, we'd love for you to come out and join us uh, for first Sunday um, afternoon of the month choir practice. Uh, any announcements that I'm forgetting about? Prayer request, let's uh, continue to remember uh, so many things that we have to pray about. Let's remember uh, Matt, catch all, talked to Lyle before service. He said Matt's doing very, very good. So praise the Lord for that. Uh, uh, pray for um, Otis. I talked to Otis uh, Monday night, I guess it was, and, and he's doing fairly well. Uh, I can again 
uh, tell a little bit of uh, maybe discouragement in his voice, but we really need to pray because uh, his moms and dad are going to meet with uh, the new attorney here in the next couple of days uh, and finalize the appeal. And uh, the lawyer seems to think that they've got a good shot at getting the verdict overturned. So uh, let's just pray that God's will will be done uh, on Otis's behalf. So remember him. Continue to remember Miss little Miss Aislinn uh, as she recovers from her, um, her broken foot, uh, broken ankle. Remember her. Uh, remember LV Nice. Pray for Sam and Barbie. Anybody talked to Sam today or uh, since his appointment? He had an appointment, I believe, yesterday uh, about his kidney stone. Anybody talk to him? Let's continue to pray for him. Remember Sam in prayer. Uh, also, he's got surgery coming at the end of this month. Remember Pam and Kenny. Uh, uh, Pam is sick. She's not feeling well. And it seems like they just get over one problem and another one hits. So remember them in prayer. Uh, remember Miss Linda Coggins' upcoming surgery as well at the end of the month. Um, uh, pray for uh, Becky Davis. Remember her. Remember Dad and his health. Um, let's pray for Dan Clark, uh, uh, Jason's dad. Remember him in prayer. Let's see, um, Ashley Fender. Continue to remember her. And these are from Sunday. The Cecil Hobson family, Mark Shores. Remember Miss Cheryl Davis, pray for uh, Tyler's dad Randy and his uncle Kevin. Pray for Denise Raider as she's been sick. I talked to her the other day and she hadn't been able to get up off the couch. So pray for her, pray for Elizabeth Newton, pray for Reagan Brown, uh, pray for Miss Betty Feazell. I think she's been sick. Uh, Debbie Sang, uh, remember Sherry Britton, also Chris Beach, Tegan Donahue, uh, Tommy Sutherland, and uh, amen, pray for uh, Mike and Grace's uh, family, their children, grandchildren. A few other requests, um, uh, had the privilege this week uh, by way of the, the art ministries to meet uh, the Morlock family that recently lost their home in a fire. Does anybody remember that their the first name of that, that young man? Anyway, Morlocks, that uh, they live out in Chucky, and they lost their home. And the wife, uh, they've got three young kids, and the wife's dad was in the basement. And he burned up. He died in that fire, and uh, which would have been the kid's grandfather. But the Ark was able to help that family, and um, they came into the store, and we talked with them, prayed with them. And I saw them again last night at the at the rec center at a basketball game. And uh, I don't know what, what uh, God's doing there, but uh, I'll tell you what, you better uh, not take the life that you have for granted because it can change real quick. So remember them, the Morlock family, and also remember my brother-in-law, Chris uh, McCoy. Uh, hold on a second. Pray for Chris McCoy. That's uh, my sister Holly's husband. As they found uh, a mass on his kidney, is that right? His bladder, excuse me. So uh, they're very concerned about it uh, as he has a, uh, a history of cancer in his family. And they just moved here from North Carolina. So remember my sister and uh, Chris and Hannah in prayer. I'm sure I'm forgetting some, but uh, give you an opportunity to add any requests that you might have.
Remember the Rick Blake family? Pray for Miss Lula Cutshaw. Somebody else? Yeah, go ahead, Tyler. Sure. Praise God. Amen. Okay, and that is your dad? Your stepdad, I'm sorry. What's his name? Buck Blazer. Buck Blazer. Well, that's a... Answer to prayer, praise the Lord. Uh, go ahead, brother. I pray for the uh, American Christians about the uh, freedom of speech. Uh, we kicked out a man out of the uh, Mall of America for wearing a Jesus shirt that says Jesus, and they crossed out coexist all the way, and they kicked him out of the mall. Security did. So I pray for the persecution of the Christians of our freedom of speech where everything else is okay except for uh, Christianity. Amen. Amen. And I still can't get over the fact that we had over 200 of our congressmen and women who voted not to protect the lives of babies after they're born. So, and then tried to use scripture that refutes abortion to back it up. Somebody else? Isaac Wheeler? Somebody else? Joanne and Michael. <laughs> Shoo. <laughs> Ain't no pain like tooth pain. Been there, done that. Amen. Will you tell Joanne that we want to cry when she when she's not here because we love her and we miss her? I know. Amen. I tell you what, every member of the body's uh, valuable to God, is he not? Amen. Any others tonight? Okay. Remember Michelle in prayer. Any others? Unspoken requests by the uplifted hand. Lost loved ones that we need to remember. Amen. Pray God give us a burden for our loved ones. Pray for our missionaries. Pray for our nation. 
Amen. We have a lot to pray about, don't we? I don't think I've ever seen the prayer list any more full than what it is tonight. But I'm glad that God's uh, not overwhelmed. Uh, he sees every need and knows uh, everything we ask before it ever comes out of our lips. Praise God. Let's gather around the altar. We'll bring these requests to the Lord. If you'd like to join us, you can do so at this time. I ask for your prayers tonight as I preach. Yeah. Why would you leave some prayer? God, we thank you tonight, God, for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for this uh, blessed privilege we have to come into your house and worship you. And Oh, Lord, thank you for the good day you give to us, Lord. And uh, Lord, what a blessing it is to walk with you and to serve you. And Lord, just to fellowship one with another. God, Lord, I just appreciate, Father, every good and perfect gift you give to us. And uh, Lord, thank you for our church. Thank you, Lord, for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you, dear Jesus, God, for the fellowship that we have one with another. Uh, thank you, dear God, Lord, for saving us from our sins. We could go on and on. And God, we have so many things to be thankful for. Lord, I pray tonight, Lord, that you bless, Lord, everything that goes on and takes place. Uh, Lord, here at the church, upstairs, downstairs, uh, thank you for... Uh, uh, Lord, giving us safe transportation, get these kids here safe and sound. Lord, help them to learn, Father, about you. Lord, that the uh, that the seed of, of your word might be implanted in the depths of their soul, grow up, bear fruit, God, in their lives, God. Lord, that they might call upon you and be saved. God, would you save some child tonight? Uh, Lord, I pray you'd keep them safe as they travel home, Lord. Protect the, the, the drivers, bless the teachers and the workers, Father, associated with this ministry, Lord. And, oh, God, I pray tonight, Father, Lord, that you just help us, God, to be found faithful. Lord, bless the upstairs service. Help me as I preach tonight. The Lord, burn uh, the message, God, that you've laid on my heart, God. And, uh, Lord, set my soul afire, Lord, that I might deliver to your people, God. Bless Matt. God, I pray for Miss Lula. I pray, God, for Otis and Aislinn. I pray for LV. I pray, God, for Sam. Uh, I pray for Kenny and Pam. Lord, I pray for Linda. God, I pray for uh, Becky. I pray, God, for Dad. Lord, I pray for Dan Clark. pray for Richie. God, pray for Danielle Owens. Uh, Lord, Ashley Fender, Lord. And uh, God, I pray, Lord, that you would just... Uh, Bless Michelle. I pray for the Cecil Hobson family. Pray for Mark Shores, Miss Cheryl Davis, Dan Clark, uh, Randy Brown, Kevin Brown. Lord, I pray for Denise Rader and Elizabeth Newton. Pray for Reagan Brown. I pray for Betty Fiesel, Debbie Singh, Lord Sherry Britton and Chris Beach. Lord, bless Tegan Donahue and Tommy Sutherland, Mike and Grace's uh, children and grandchildren. Bless Joanne. And Michael, Lord, I pray for Daniel Reeves' family, God, the Morlocks, oh God. Lord, comfort them, point them to Jesus, God. Lord, I pray for Chris McCoy, I pray for the Rick Blake family. 
Pray for Buck Blazer, Lord. Uh, thank you for this answer to prayer. Lord, I pray for uh, the American Christians, God. Help us to take a stand, Father. Uh, Lord, I pray for our congressmen uh, and women, God. Lord, just, God, open their eyes and help them to see, uh, Lord, the error of their ways. God, I pray for Isaac Wheeler. God, Lord, we just commit every request to Thee. And, Lord, just uh, move in our midst. God, we'll praise You for what You're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray and ask these things. Amen. Amen. All right, we'll have a couple ushers come forward and we will uh, receive our uh, Wednesday night offering at this time. Amen. All right, uh, Tyler, you lead us in prayer, brother. Dear Lord, thank you. Bless us with another good day. Let us hear your words and hope and let Nick give them to us as you would want him to give them to us. And just thank you for letting us gather in, in your name and just worship you in, in all your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord tonight. You can be turning in your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter number 28. Jeremiah chapter number 28. As we continue our study through uh, this very sombering chapter. We almost, we almost might refer to it as a pessimistic book, but... Uh, I don't know how the truth can be anything but a good thing. Do you? It's not easy sometimes, but it's always better than the alternative. The truth's going to stand when the world's on fire. If you believe that, say amen tonight. And uh, chapter number 28, as we enter into this chapter, and I hope we can get through it rather quickly. Um, if not, it's okay. But it is a continuation of chapter number 27. These um, chapters are irrefutably connected one to another. Uh, again, speaking of the illustration that Jeremiah gave, God told him to, uh, uh, to make a wooden yoke and to put it around his neck and first of all go to the nations that surrounded Judah and preach to them regarding the, uh, the, uh, the upcoming bondage uh, 
and captivity they were going to fall in under at the hand of Nebuchadnezzar. And then uh, God told Jeremiah to go and preach that same message uh, unto Judah itself and to walk right up into the temple uh, wearing that wooden yoke, literally speaking, <laughs> around his neck and preach that same message of warning, the warning of the captivity uh, unto the people and the priest of Judah. One thing about it, God's people couldn't say they weren't warned. I mean, God gave warning after warning and opportunity after opportunity for them to heed the message and they just they would not hearken. They would not listen. Uh, and um, when we don't listen, when, when, when God's word is not enough, and when we uh, find a better alternative than the Word of God, when we choose to resist and rebel against God's Word, the only alternative is judgment. Amen? Because I promise you, God's going to have the last word. He's going to have the final say, whether it be by force or voluntarily. So um, here we find, and again, this, this chapter, the account that's given to us here in these verses most likely occurred while Jeremiah was delivering and preaching the message to Judah in the temple. That's precisely what happens. And we see that a resistance rises up against God's man publicly. Of course, Jeremiah had warned the people in the previous chapters about the false prophets that were going to deliver a message of peace uh, and, and saying, don't pay any attention to what this crazy madman's telling you about bondage and captivity. These false prophets were preaching a counterfeit message that was absolutely contrary, polar opposite to that of, of Jeremiah. Jeremiah was preaching judgment. They were preaching peace. And he said, don't listen to their wizardry, their sor sorcerers, their, their diviners. They're magicians. Um, amen. And, and I want to remind you as we enter into this chapter tonight that God, the devil always has a counterfeit to God's truth. Everything, everything God does by reaction, the devil has a counter-reaction for. Amen. And he'll give you an alternative. God gave uh, Adam and Eve everything that they needed in the in the Garden of Eden, but the, the devil provided a counterfeit that was far less than what God had provided for them, but yet they were tempted to choose the alternative over the original. Uh, amen. So let's get right into it tonight. Uh, verse number 1, chapter number 28, Jeremiah. And it came to pass the same year, and, and, and in other words, the very same time that he was preaching, again, chapter 28 is a continuation, chapter number 27. The same time he was delivering this uh, illustration of the yoke of wood, uh, the yoke of bondage. The same year in the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah. Zedekiah was the son of Josiah. He was the last king of Judah. He was a vassal of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar took... Um, amen, uh, Zedekiah's brother, who had rebelled against him off the throne, carried him off into captivity, and he placed the weaker brother, Zedekiah, on the throne in his stead. But Zedekiah answered directly 
to Nebuchadnezzar. He did what the king of Babylon told him to do. In the fourth year and in the fifth month that Hananiah, the son of Azar, the prophet which was of Gibeon, spake unto me in the house of the Lord, in the presence of the priest and all the people, right there publicly, uh, the devil raised up a false prophet in the midst of God's house to publicly rebuke Jeremiah, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, saying, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. Within two full years, I mean, this is while Jeremiah is wearing this wooden yoke, preaching that God had placed the people of Judah in under the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, and that they were to submit to him because if they didn't, God was just going to totally annihilate the land and wipe, uh, wipe the slate clean, so to speak. But here this false prophet, Hananiah, rises up and said, I've broken the yoke. This is the true word of God. I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. Within two full years will I bring again into this place all the vessels of the Lord's house that Nebuchadnezzar, king of, uh, of Babylon, took away from the place and carried them to Babylon. All of these treasures that, that, that um, amen, Nebuchadnezzar just walks right into the temple, the most sacred place of God, took the most valuable treasures of the house of God and carried them away as spoils of his, uh, his conquering of the land. Carried them to Babylon. Uh, amen. Hananiah is saying that within two full years, that's all going to be brought back. It's going to be restored. Uh, amen. Making the judgment of God, the yoke of God that had fallen upon the land and over their sins to be null and void, as if it did not exist. And I will bring again to this place Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of, 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 of Judah, with all the captives of Judah that went into Babylon, saith the Lord. Even the king, the former king Jeconiah, that was carried off into captivity. Uh, he's right now in bondage in Babylon. Uh, Hananiah saying, the Lord's going to bring him back and restore him to his rightful place on the throne. With all the captives, uh, for I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. Alright, that's the word of the false prophet. Then the prophet Jeremiah said unto the prophet Hananiah, in the presence of the priest and in the presence of all the people that stood in the house of the Lord, even the prophet Jeremiah said, Amen. Alright, now what we got to understand is basically he's being sarcastic here. Jeremiah is, in a sense, making fun of um, the words of the false prophets. So the Lord do so. The Lord perform thy words which thou hast prophesied. To bring the Lord, or to bring again the vessels of the Lord's house and all that is carried away captive from Babylon into this place. In other words, boy, that sounds great, man. I mean, let's, let's see it happen. <laughs> Remember, if it sounds too good to be true, it's probably too good to be true. Nevertheless, hear thou now this word that I speak in thine ears, in the ears of all this people, all the people, this is again Jeremiah speaking, the prophets that have been before me and before thee of old prophesied both against many countries and against great kingdoms of war, of evil, and pestilence. There's that same threefold judgment. Uh, that we see all throughout the, the book. The prophet 
which, and you might ought to underline this, the prophet which prophesies of peace, when the word of the prophet shall come to pass, then shall the prophet be known that the Lord hath truly sent him. In other words, you know, when that, when that guy stands up and say, says, this is God's word, you only trust that when, it, when it's true and when it happens, just as he says it does. Amen. Then Hananiah the prophet took the yoke from off the prophet Jeremiah's neck and break it. I mean, he ripped the wooden yoke that was around Jeremiah's neck and he literally shattered it into pieces in an attitude of defiance. Not just against Jeremiah's word, but against God's word. Say, so preacher, why did he do that? Because he just didn't like what God had said. Amen? And Hananiah spake in the presence of all the people, saying, Thus saith the Lord, even so will I break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. Notice the sensationalism here of Hananiah. Not only did he give, the, give a false message, but boy, he dolled it up. Amen? With bells and whistles and made it very appealing. I mean, he, he gave a, a, a life-size illustration. He broke that yoke. Uh, amen. I mean, he was, he was very um, uh, alluring. Uh, he was be- very, again, charismatic. Uh, you know, he was very likable. Uh, it would have been easy to believe his message over Jeremiah's because of the sensational nature of it. Uh, within the space of four years, all of this is going to happen. And the prophet Jeremiah, so how did Jeremiah respond? He went his way. He left him alone. He said, I've done everything I can do. You know, it is what it is. Then the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah the prophet after that Hananiah the prophet had broken the yoke from off the neck of the prophet Jeremiah saying, all right, now go and tell Hananiah saying, Thus saith the Lord, Thou hast broken the yokes of wood, but thou shalt make for them yokes of iron. Brethren, when we reject the chastisement and discipline of God, when we reject uh, the yoke of Christ, remember we preached about that Sunday? Uh, We better be careful because we might be getting ready to cause a more intense and a more severe yoke. Uh, Amen. I'd much rather wear a yoke of wood than I would a yoke of iron, wouldn't you? You help me preach tonight. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I have put a yoke of iron upon the neck of all these nations, that they may serve Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and they shall serve him, and I have given him the beast of the field also. Then said the prophet Jeremiah unto Hananiah. He's, he's addressed the message. Now he's going to address the man, the false prophet. Hear now, Hananiah, the Lord hath not sent thee, but thou makest this people to trust a lie. Amen. I'm afraid we've got a lot of charlatans out there in our day that's causing God's people or people in general to trust a lie over the truth. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will cast thee from off the face of the earth. This year thou shalt die, because thou hast taught rebellion against the Lord. So Hananiah the prophet died the same year in the seventh month. And this verse comes to my mind. It is a fearful thing 
to fall into the hands of the living God. Who can resist God's will? You know, why would the creature say unto the Creator, Romans chapter number 9, why have you made me this way? Uh, amen. Uh, shall, uh, you, know, you know, one of the most uh, ridiculous things that you and I could attempt to do is to resist the eternal purpose of God. And I'm just telling you, sometimes God's will is blessing and prosperity, and other times it's chastisement, discipline, and even just judgment. Whatever His will is, we better submit ourselves under the yoke of wood lest we fall under the yoke of iron. Uh, that's the message, a yoke of wood or iron. Father in heaven, I love you. Lord, pray your blessing will be upon the reading and the preaching of your word. God, I need your help tonight. Lord, just uh, burn these truths, Lord, not only uh, in and upon me, but upon all who um, uh, are uh, listening to the word of God as it's declared. Oh God, the seriousness of this message from the pulpit to the pew and all of us, God, uh, who are responsible to declare your truth. Uh, we'll praise you in advance, honor your word, exalt your son by way of your humble servant. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. An occasion, verse number one, and it came to pass the same year in the beginning of the, the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the fourth year and in the fifth month. So again, Zedekiah, he was Judah's last king. He was a vassal. Uh, amen. He answered to Nebuchadnezzar. Judah was very weak at this point. Their sin had produced a condition of weakness. He was a son of Josiah, the, the last great king of Judah who did his best to institute national revival in the land. But these events seemingly occurred right in the middle again of Jeremiah's prophecy to Judah recorded in chapter 27. He had previously preached to the nations that surrounded Judah concerning the coming yoke of the Lord by way of the Babylonian captivity. Now there's a confrontation. Verse 1, that Hananiah the son of Azar the prophet which was of Gibeon, spake unto me in the house of the Lord in the presence of the priest and of all the people, saying. So we see here that Hananiah publicly rebuked Jeremiah right in the middle of Solomon's temple as Jeremiah wore this wooden yoke uh, around his neck and delivered God's message to the priest and to the people. You say, preacher, why did he do that? He didn't like what Jeremiah had to say. Amen. Uh, he was offended by the truth. Amen. Reminds me of John three nineteen, and this is the condemnation that light is come into the world, uh, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. For every one that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. And I'm telling you, friends, one of the true tests of your overall character, spiritually speaking, has to do with how you respond to truth when it's given out. Listen, truth's not always pleasant. If you think I like everything I preach, you're crazy. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's some messages I'd rather just put on the shelf. Uh, amen. The truth hurts sometimes. And sometimes we, the problem is we can't handle the truth. But whether we like it, whether it feels or tastes good to us, 
or amen, is pleasing to our flesh, we better receive the truth because the truth is the only remedy for the error of our ways. Amen. Uh, if we reject the truth, what do we have left? Amen. Uh, I mean, you, you may not like the diagnosis of your disease or illness, but you better accept it as fact, even if you don't want to. And I, I, I'm, I'm afraid that one of the problems in the church today is we're in denial. We're blind to the truth. We don't want to face the facts. And that is, we probably are and have been for some time already and under the yoke of wood. Amen? The question is, what are we going to do about it? And is God going to be forced to place us under a heavier yoke and under to, in order to get our attention? You've heard me say it before, God's more stubborn than we are. And one way or another, He will get our attention. It just depends how hard He has to jerk our chain in order to make it happen. Amen. Boy, I can tell y'all's loving this. <laughs> Verse number 2, there's a presumption. Verse number 2, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, saying, I have broken the, king, the yoke of the king of Babylon. Now Hananiah presumed that the yoke had been broken because Nebuchadnezzar, and here's a little background, he had lost, you know, and at this point in time Nebuchadnezzar was uh, one of, if not the greatest, the most powerful king in all the world. But he had just lost a very important battle that is known throughout ancient history as the Battle of Carchemish. Uh, amen. He wanted to to subdue the Egyptians. And he was unable to do so. He lost that battle in 605 B.C. And this embarrassing loss caused an uprising in his own kingdom and caused many to question whether or not Nebuchadnezzar's time was almost over. And Hananiah, this false prophet, presumed that this must mean Judah would be delivered from the yoke that they were already in under. Be careful about making presumptions and assumptions, especially when you only know part of the story. Um, just because uh, things may be somewhat peaceful right now doesn't mean the storm's just right around the corner. Amen. And just because things may cool down or calm down for a little while does not mean that we're still not on the verge of judgment. Amen. Uh, friends, we should be more alarmed tonight than we were this time a year ago. Now, I'm surprised that God's let us buy this long. He hadn't let us buy. Amen. But when it's all said and done, He's going to make sure that we have no excuses and we have nobody else to blame but ourselves. But we cannot allow what seems to be semi-peace and semi-tranquility uh, regarding our own situation to make us think that everything's okay and things are just going to continue on as they always have. Because i got news for you, they've not. They're not. See, one of the problems with us living where we do is we live in this bubble. We still live in the Bible Belt. 
Things are bad here, but they're good compared to other places. Not so far away, mind you. Amen. And it's time for us to realize, uh, amen, that, that judgment's coming. And again, we must consider whether or not we may already be wearing a yoke of wood and depending on how we respond to uh, God's uh, effort to discipline and chastise us and over our sin may determine whether or not He ends up having to put a heavier yoke on us to get our attention. You've heard me say it. I believe COVID was a form of judgment. Well, did we pay attention to that? Must not have if we've got... Uh, amen, two, over 200 uh, amen, congressmen and women voting not to protect the life of children after birth. I'm afraid God's going to have to uh, put us through another round uh, of the school of hard knocks that's going to be a whole lot worse than the last one. Amen. God's willing to go as far as He has to go. And if you think He's going to uh, amen, give us a free pass just because of who we are and just because we're America, we're crazy. Amen. You know, presumption, the sin of presumption, Self, 2 Peter 2.10 uh, regarding the false prophets who were making merchandise of God's people in the Word of God, 2 Peter 2.10, but chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government. Presumptuous are they, self-willed, they are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. A presumptuous spirit is someone who thinks that they're above the law. That the law does not apply to them. In other words, in their eyes, what's good for the goose is not good for the gander. I think we've got some politicians in Washington who are guilty of that. Amen. They think that the law is for the... the uh, amen, the simple man, but for the dignitaries, they don't have to answer to anybody. You better, you better mark somebody who is not willing to submit themselves under, to, under uh, authority. Somebody who refuses to be held accountable. Amen. I had somebody tell me one time, said, well, do you not trust me? I said, I don't even trust myself. Why would I trust you? Amen. You take a, a, a man without accountability, he's a monster. Amen. I don't care who he is. I don't care what title he has beside his name. We are to submit ourselves one to another in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. Presumption. Numbers 15, 27 through 31. And if any soul sin through ignorance, then he shall bring a shego to the first year for a sin offering. And the priest shall make an atonement for the soul that sinneth ignorantly. When he sinneth by ignorance before the Lord to make an atonement for him, and it shall be forgiven him, ye shall have one law for him that sinneth through ignorance, both for him that is born among the children of Israel and for the stranger that sojourneth among them. But the soul that doeth aught presumptuously whether he be born in the land or a stranger, the same reproacheth the Lord. And that soul shall be cut off from among the people because he has despised the word of the Lord and hath broken his commandment. That soul shall utterly be cut off. His iniquity shall be upon him. 
How about Deuteronomy 18 through 22? When a prophet speaketh in the name of the Lord, if the thing follow not nor come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord hath not spoken, but the prophet hath spoken it presumptuously, thou shalt not be afraid of him. Uh, again, uh, the word presumptuous means to intentionally defy or rebel against authority. Uh, to, to, to intentionally and willfully disobey orders. Uh, people who think of themselves above the rule of the law. What applies to everybody else does not apply to them. It's an attitude of defiance. Uh, amen, friend. And it's one thing for us to defy man's law, but it's another thing to defy the law of God. And friend, when you start spitting in God's face, when you start trampling uh, and under your feet the blood of Jesus that was shed for your soul, and when you may start making a mockery of the things of God, the work of God, and especially the Word of God, you better watch out because your days are numbered. And I've got Bible to back that up. I mean, this lady that, uh, amen, in Congress, you say, preacher, you ought not call her out. Well, she, she did it, she said it publicly. Amen. In the book of Jeremiah, she had the audacity after she ha had the goal and the, the, the guts to take a Bible and read from Jeremiah chapter 1 and, say, and, and read the words, Before I formed thee in thy mother's womb, I knew thee. And she tried to use that verse to justify taking the life of an unborn child uh, amen, focusing more on uh, the existence of the mother's womb than she did the life of that child. I think she's on thin ice. I think she better watch herself because God does not tolerate blasphemy. And that's what she did. She blasphemed the Word of God. Amen. Well, there's a liberation. Trust me, it's going to get better <laughs> or get worse before it gets better. Amen. But blame the Word of God. Don't get mad at the, at the mailman. Hallelujah. Liberation. Verse 3 and 4. Within the two, or two full years. Again, this is Hananiah spouting off the mouth his foolish garbage. Will I bring again into this place all the vessels of the Lord's house that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, took away from this place and carried them to Babylon and I will bring again to this place Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, with all the captives of Judah that went into Babylon, saith the Lord, for I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. All right. Now again, I mean, I can't help where we're at. It's the word of God. You know what? Do <laughs> you know what uh, Hananiah was, was prophesying? He was preaching a false message of deliverance. I mean, it's just the truth. See, this bondage they were in under was ordained by God. Amen? It was a yoke that God had prescribed to them because of the sins they were guilty of committing. Alright? Now, we've got a crowd in our day that wants to say that it's the will of God to always be delivered from things that if you study your Bible, you'll find that they're nothing more than the curse of sin that's fallen upon 
humanity because we because man rebelled against God. I mean, you can trace all, you know, everything bad. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death hath passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. That means anything, any time you say, preacher, I don't understand, and I can't get off on this too far, but uh, I don't understand why bad things happen to good people. Well, for one thing, there's no such thing as a good person. Amen? We're all sinners. And all we're doing in this life is reaping the rewards of our own actions. Amen? You say, preacher, why is this world in such a state of chaos and uncertainty? I mean, things are dysfunctional. Amen? I mean, this world seems as if it's falling apart at the seams. In reality, it's falling right into place. Amen? Let me give you something real quick. The, in the New Testament, the word world is translated from the Greek word kenosis. You know what that means? That means a structured order. When God created the worlds, He created it in a structured, organized fashion. In other word, words, when that baby come off the, uh, the press, it run precisely as God would have it to run. Without any glitches. Amen. She is running on all six cylinders. Hallelujah. Amen. No backfire in God's original creation. Amen. But then sin came about and all of a sudden there was a glitch in the television. Uh, there was a virus that had hijacked the hard drive. Amen. And all of a sudden there was a hiccup and things were not operating as smoothly as God originally intended for them to operate. You know, when God spoke the worlds into existence, He did so in a state of perfection. See, man, what man's done is he's, he's messed up God's miracle. And He's been doing so ever since. So this world is not evolving into something better. And you got some preachers that would tell you that. This world is devolving. Amen. It's, it's getting worse and worse. Things are going to continue to deteriorate. Amen. It, this, this world, God's creation has a terminal illness. That's why we don't need to pay any attention to the tree huggers. And those that are all involved about saving the planet. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that we should not be respectful to God's creation. But I'm telling you, you're wasting your time trying to save the planet. This planet's not going to be saved. This, the Bible says this world's going to burn with fire one day. And there's not anything that any ecologist in the world can do about it. Amen. Y'all got me in the preaching mood all of a sudden. Amen. But all these bad things, all of this chaos, disorder, dysfunction, injustice, man wants to blame God for it. God's pointing a finger about right back at us and say it's our fault. Amen. So what we have is we've got this crowd today that wants to preach this message that we can obtain deliverance from a yoke that was placed 
and over us by God. The curse and the consequences of sin is not something that we are ever going to be delivered from as long as we are in this life. Man, you can go do the hokey pokey with the preacher down in Nashville all you want to. But you're still going to get sick, brother. Amen. Healing is not always according to the will of God. I had some crazy dude one time argue with me and say that it's never God's will for somebody to get sick or die. Well, I want to see them stand uh, up at a funeral and preach that mess. We're giving people a false hope today, friend. We will never experience final and ultimate deliverance in this life until God removes the curse once and for all. Liberation. Don't wear the yoke. Amen. God doesn't want you to live in under the yoke. He wants you to be free to, to do what you want to do and to live any way you want to do. Messages that that, uh, that are void of the consequences of sin in man's life. Friend, if you're not preaching sin, you're not preaching. Amen. Can I give you another one? I don't know, this may be too much meat for you. You may choke on it. But I'm fired up. Amen. Amen. There's a lady, there's a woman preacher... Amen? That's a problem in itself, is it not? Beth Moore? You know, a lot of what she used to say was good. But like a lot of these crackers, she slowly began to drift in the wrong direction. And recently she had the audacity to rebuke and call out one of the greatest preachers that has ever walked the shores of this country, Jonathan Edwards, who preached the great message, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, that brought people uh, all over colonial America to their knees and caused them to literally grip the pillars of the room they were standing in lest they drop off into hell. And little Bethy didn't like the tone of Jonathan Edwards' message. And she argued that Edwards uh, was preaching the gospel in the wrong way. He was focusing too much on sin and not enough on God's love. Well, John MacArthur told her she needed to go home, and I say amen. And we need less Beth Moores in our world today and more Jonathan Edwards. Amen. Well, there's an attraction. Verse 5 and 6, Then the prophet Jeremiah said unto the prophet Hananiah in the presence of the priest and in the presence of all the people that stood in the house of the Lord. Even the prophet uh, Jeremiah said, Amen, the Lord do so. The Lord perform thy words, which thou hast prophesied, to bring again the vessels of the Lord's house, and all that is carried away captive from Babylon into this place. 
Man, this message that Hannah and I was delivering was, was appealing. I mean, it was attractive. It sounded real good. Amen. Just like the words of, uh, amen, the, the Bible salesman, hallelujah. Or, or, or uh, the telemarketer. Once again, if it sounds too good to be true, it's too good to be true. Uh, amen. Jeremiah was being sarcastic in his response. Kind of like, wouldn't it be great if what you were saying is true? And friend, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could just, you know, do what these, and I, I, I'm just telling you, I believe they're modern day sorcerers practicing a subtle form of witchcraft, waging, waging, waving their magic wands, chanting their seances, amen, using the, 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 the high, holy, and revered name of Jesus as nothing more than an enchantment to cast some magic spell on people and to instantly and inst instantaneously deliver them from whatever problem they're going through. Well, you know, my thing about it is, well, if they can do that, I mean, you've heard, you've heard, them say, you've heard people say, well, if they can do that, why don't they go to the children's hospital and heal all the sick kids? Well, I agree with that, but let's take it a step further. I mean, if, if, if there is power in the name of Jesus, and I believe there's power in, in, in the name of Jesus. Amen. But I'm just saying, if we can use God's, the name of our Savior, as nothing more than a spell to perform magic, am I okay tonight? Uh, amen. As if we abracadabra and poof, whatever we speak into existence comes to pass. By the way, that's little God theology. Alright? That's claiming yourself to be God is what it is. But if that's the case, well, let's go down to the graveyard and let's find a Lazarus. They won't do that. Or let's go down to the, to, to, to the ocean. Let's go down to Myrtle Beach and let's get up there and see if you can walk on water. I mean, let's get, let's get out there and uh, let you speak uh, to an F5 tornado that's getting ready to obliterate a town and let's see you have the power to divert that tornado away from that town. Amen? You do that and then we'll start talking, brother. But you ain't going to see that because they can't, they can't reproduce that. Amen. They can't put, there ain't no magic show good or big enough to do something like that. Amen. Boy, you know, man will do anything and everything to believe a lie before he will to believe a truth. We as human beings are naturally gullible. We're susceptible. We're sheep that are more apt to believe the words, to follow the voice of a hireling than we are to follow the voice of a shepherd. Amen. Declaration. Verse 7 and 8. Nevertheless, hear thou now this word that I speak in thine ears and in the ears of all the people, the prophets that have been before me and before thee of old prophesied both against many countries and against great kingdoms of war and of evil and of pestilence. You know how Jeremiah responded to the challenge of Hananiah, the false prophet, 
He stood firm on what the Bible said. His message, can I say this? Hananiah's message did not change the truth. You can deny it all you want. You can ignore it. You can turn a blind eye. You know how I know we're in bad shape in the day we're living in? Man, you can give, the, you can give people undeniable and indisputable Bible truth. You can lay it out there for them. And they, they, they'll find a reason not to believe it. They'll ignore it. They'll say, I'm not going to, I know what I believe. I know what I experienced. I can't unsee what I just saw. Amen. I know what happened to me in spite of what the Bible says. God says, God's word says what it means, means what it says, regardless of whether or not we believe it. Now there's a manifestation. The prophet, verse 9, which prophesieth of peace, when the word of the prophet shall come to pass, then shall the prophet be known that the Lord hath truly sent him. Goes back to what we read earlier, and we even mentioned last week when a prophet, Deuteronomy 18.22, speaketh in the name of the Lord, if the thing follow not, nor come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord hath not spoken, but the prophet hath spoken it presumptuously, as if he has the authority to declare words that are equal to God's words. Thou shalt not be afraid of him. A true prophet is known for the sincerity and the genuineness of his word. Not charisma. Not eloquence. Not persuasiveness. Y'all help me preach. Not talent or ability, but whether or not what he says is so. What value is any preacher whose word cannot be trusted? And, and, and you tell, again, the devil's not going to come with a pitchfork and horns and a, tail, a fork of tail. He's going to come as an angel of light. The Antichrist, when he comes on the scene one day, uh, he's going to be the best, the smoothest talker. He's going to be the best dressed. He's going to look like he comes straight out of GQ magazine, brother. Uh, I mean, you know, the Bible says that if it were to be possible, even the elect will be deceived. Even Christian people, sincere Bible-believing uh, Christians who have a desire to hear the truth will be naturally drawn and attracted to the Antichrist. But you see, in that day, just like in our day, everybody's got a choice to make. And that is, are we going to base our acceptance of a man on what he looks like, what he sounds like, how smoothly he talks, Amen. Even whether or not he could perform miracles, the Antichrist is going to perform miracles. Just because it's real don't make it right, brother. Or are we going to base our willingness to follow a man on whether or not he is true to the Word of God? A demonstration or, uh, or of rejection. Verse 10 and 11, Hananiah the prophet took the yoke from off the prophet Jeremiah's neck, and he brake it. And Hanani spake in the presence of all the people, saying, Thus saith the Lord, 
Even so will I break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, from the neck of all nations within the space of two full years. He publicly, this false prophet, publicly rejected and rebelled against the word of God. You know, the Bible says that um, rebellion is the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and adultery. Friend, when you reject God's word, you are in danger of God rejecting you. Vacation, verse 11, the prophet Jeremiah went his way. Alright. Sometimes you just need to excuse yourself from the situation. Pick and choose your battles. Cast not your pearl before swine. If possible, as much as lieth within you, live peaceably with all men. When it's obvious that you're not going to change a person's mind, the best thing to do is let them go and let them alone. Can I give you some scripture? Uh, Acts 5, 33-39. Uh, this is when they wanted to, to, to crucify or to kill the, the apostles uh, for preaching the name of Jesus. Chapter 5, verse 33. When they heard that, they were cut to the heart and took counsel to slay them. Then stood there up one in the council, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a doctor of the law had in reputation among all the people and commanded to put the apostles forth a little space. They wanted to kill him. He said, let's just hold on a minute. And he said unto them, you men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what ye intend to do as touching these men. For before these days rose Thutis, boasting himself to be somebody to whom a number of men, about 400, joined themselves who were slain, and all as many as obeyed him were scattered and brought to naught. After this man rose up Judas of Galilee in the days of taxing and drew away much people after him. Gamaliel's giving uh, illustrations of men who had claimed to be something and then nothing came of it. Um, and all, even as many as obeyed him, were dispersed. And now I say unto you, here's the point, refrain from these men and let them alone, was Gamaliel's instruction. For if this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught or amount to nothing. But if it be of God, ye cannot overthrow it, lest haply ye be found even to fight against God. You know, the truth is, we could be wrong about certain people. Uh, amen. And uh, sometimes... Uh, if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves fighting against God even though we are, our intent is to zealously fight for Him and on His behalf. As hard as it is sometimes, you just have to let go and walk away because the differences are irreconcilable. You know, my, my, my wise grandfather told me one time, he said, Nick, you can't change nobody. And I found him to be right because only God can change somebody's heart. Prescription, verse 12 and 13, Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, the prophet, after that Hananiah the prophet had broken the yoke from off the neck of the prophet Jeremiah, saying, Go and tell Hananiah, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Thou hast broken the yoke of wood, but thou shalt make for them yokes of iron. And we've already mentioned this earlier in the, the message. We better be content with wearing the yoke of Christ 
lest a worse and more severe yoke fall upon us. Listen, your submission and your servitude to Jesus is more important than your Christian liberty and your fleshly deliverance or liberation. Ordination, verse number 14, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, I want to be content with Christ's yoke. Amen. I want to be content with the yoke of Christ. The burden that God has ordained for me to bear lest I end up uh, uh, bearing a burden and wearing a yoke that I could have uh, avoided if I would have only been content. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, verse 14, the God of Israel, I have put a yoke of iron upon the neck of all these nations that they may serve Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon and they shall serve him and I have given him the beast of the field also. Their fate was sealed. They had rejected God's word and they would wear a yoke greater and more heavier than the one God had originally prescribed for them. Why? Because they rejected the word of God. Friend, we better think long and hard about how we respond to the Word of God, even when it's unpleasant to our ears and is bitter to our appetites, because the consequences of our rejected rejection are greater than we would ever want to bear. There's a repercussion. And I'm almost through, praise the Lord. Then said the prophet Jeremiah unto Hananiah the prophet, Hear now, Hananiah, the Lord hath not sent thee, but thou makest this people to trust in a lie. So now Jeremiah turns his attention off of the crowd in general, the nation and the kingdom per se, but he wanted to deal with this man, this false prophet. And... Uh, he, he basically uh, indicts Hananiah and issues a death sentence upon this man when he says, your, he's, he's basically saying your yoke and your burden is going to be a lot heavier than a yoke of wood or a yoke of iron. Why? Because you have made this people to trust a lie. Hananiah had led the people astray and had caused them to believe in a lie. Can I say this tonight? It's one thing for you to go astray. It's an, an altogether entirely different manner for you to lead other innocent people astray. I'm talking about wolves who devour sheep. I'm talking about hirelings who make merchandise of God's people. I'm talking about those who would subvert entire whole households and leads God's people astray and not even giving a second thought to it. You say, preacher, what is the response? And friend, this is where we've really got to use some discernment because in one instance we see Jeremiah walking away and leaving Hananiah alone. But then in another occasion we see him dealing with him very harshly and very severely. Well, when they are doing damage, not just to the cause of Christ, but to the adherents and followers of their message and ministry, they must be marked. 
Mark them which cause division of them, uh, division among you. Isn't that what the Bible says? They are to be exposed, called out, and their mouths must be stopped. That's what the Bible says. Well, it's Titus, before they devour more of God's precious little lambs. There's a retribution, and we're finished. Verses 16 and 17, Therefore, thus saith the Lord, Behold, and he's speaking directly to Hananiah, this false prophet, I will cast thee from off the face of the earth. This year thou shalt die, because thou hast taught rebellion against the Lord. So Hananiah the prophet died the same year and the same month. You know, it's, it's not often. It's occasional. Uh, amen. It's the, um, uh, it's the exception rather than the rule for God to literally terminate the life of a person and put them to death physically because of their sin. But Hananiah was guilty of committing presumptuous sin against the Lord. And God did not take it lightly the fact that Hananiah, his sin was having devastating repercussions and effects upon the people who sat under him and listened to him. He said, Hananiah, God's not going to tolerate that. Um, he's not going to put up with it. He's sick and tired of your foolish games. And before this year's over, you're going to die. You say, preacher, what is that? Well, it's the sin and the death. And I don't have time to go into that, but the Bible says there is a sin unto death. Not spiritual death, but physical death. And uh, it is possible for the Lord to turn your flesh, the flesh of your physical body, over to Satan. And I believe that's possible even for a saved Christian. Amen. For you to resist God, the Lord chastens you, disciplines you, does everything He possibly can to get your attention and you refuse to listen and you, you choose instead to resist His will and rebel against His Word. God will be merciful, long-suffering, and patient with you, but there comes a point in time there's a line that you can cross and you're not going to go to hell, but God will turn your flesh over to Satan and allow you to die physically that your soul may be saved during the day of redemption. And I got Bible to back that up. Amen? Uh, I got a feeling old Beth Moore wouldn't like that, would she? Because that's too harsh. And that's too hard. And that presents God in a different light than the way we like to view Him as a, uh, amen, as a, as a big teddy bear and a cuddly ball of cotton candy that just... Amen. Wants to kiss and hug all over us. And I want to remind you that God is a loving God, but He is a God of wrath. He is a God of justice. He is a God of judgment. And He simply will not tolerate willful and presumptuous sin in the lives of His people, but especially in the lives of those who intentionally lead His sheep astray on behalf of their own merit and gain. It is a fearful thing 
to fall into the hands of a living God. It is a very dangerous thing to speak words falsely that are contrary to what the Bible says. We must tread lightly and walk softly when we handle the Word of God. We must definitely not assume above everything else that God's Word applies to everybody and everyone else besides us. Mike, you got some? Amen? You can only reject God for so long. Amen? The worst thing God could ever say to you or say to me or say to our church or say to America is I've had enough. Let her alone. Let her go her own way and see what happens. And I, as sure as I'm standing before you tonight, and I close with this, I believe that we are witnessing the abandonment of America right before our eyes. We've been under a yoke of wood for so long and that didn't work. And God's getting ready to place us in under a yoke of iron that we won't be able to break no matter how hard we try. And that's the message tonight. We better take heed and we better repent. From the pulpit to the pew, we better repent before it's too late. Let's all stand tonight. Father in heaven, I love you. Thank you, God, for helping me preach this evening. And Lord, certainly this is not one of those messages that I enjoy per se. But God, I do thank you, God, for the Word of God. Help us to receive it, accept it. Lord, it's a bitter pill to swallow, but it's medicine for our soul. Lord, it might not tickle our ears or make us feel good. But God, it's what we need to hear. Lord, help me to hear it. Help me, Father. God, every time I stand before the sacred desk, God, forgive me. There's been times that I've not taken my responsibility as seriously as I should. God forbid that I'd be guilty of mishandling your word and your truth. And in essence, lead these sheep who sit and under my voice astray and in the wrong way. I love you, God. Thank you, Father, for this night. Thank you for their attention. And Lord, uh, let God be true and every man a liar is all we know to say. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You are dismissed.